You know, our God is an awesome God, and we sing that, and our God reigns from heaven above. But we also have to keep it. We must not have the mindset that, well, our God reigns from heaven, and He just lets things go down here as they will. Our God does reign from heaven, but He also sometimes sends His angels, doesn't He? Sometimes, not always, and always His Spirit is here. His Spirit is with us. So our God reigns from heaven above, but He is with us every day. Amen? You know, we take turns with the kids, the young kids, Sabbath school. We take a quarter. Well, my quarter was June or July, August, September. So we always try to do a craft with them. So if anyone can look up here and take a wild guess, what does this represent here? Daniel in the lion's den. Yeah. And little did I know that I was going to be preaching from Daniel and I actually skipped chapter 5 so I could go to chapter 6 today, Daniel in the lion's den, because I'm supposed to be done with the kids, but I guess I might have to be with them next week. But, uh, <laughs> because I think Jennifer Bryan's supposed to take over, but I think they'll be away next week. So they fashioned all, they really, they did all this work themselves. It's very little help for me. I let them do it. If you look in there, if you didn't come up, come up afterwards and look. There's little lions in there. Uh, this is to be the, the den, the pit, if you will. And Daniel here kind of looks like a patriot. He is. They're throwing him down in there head first. He looks like a patriot. So can you guess who made Daniel? Landon. He's a patriot fan. So little Daniel here. Daniel's being cast in there. And the hungry lions are down in there. But you know, God sent an angel, didn't He? That's the title of my message. Where'd it, where'd it go? You didn't have that either? The title of my message this morning, since you can't see it on the screen, is God sent His angel. And God does send His angels to watch over us and protect us. God sent His angel to protect Daniel from those hungry lions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, that's one of those stories I know that we probably all learned as a child in Sunday school or Sabbath school and, you know, the little felt figurines, you know, you'd have the put on the board there. What an amazing story though. Daniel uh, saved from those lions and God protected him and Daniel's faithfulness. So we're going to continue today to learn about Daniel. So let's go ahead and our first reading is going to be from Daniel chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the king admired Daniel, respected Daniel. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king, and they said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators, the satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. 
Now I'm going to pause for a moment. There was a flat out lie, wasn't there? The kids and I actually, we read this and talked about it this morning. They said all the governors of the kingdom and the administrators, we all gathered together and come up with this plan. Well, do you think Daniel was there? No. He would never have agreed to this. So they, they weren't, you know, didn't have a problem with lying, did they? They lied to the king. They said, now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answers, answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. We'll finish it more later in the, in the message here. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for your love and your mercy. And Father, we thank you that as we sang that song, Oh, how I love Jesus, but we know it's because He first loved us. Father, we thank you for your love that you demonstrated by sending your Son. We thank you, Father, for your word, and we know that we believe that your word is true, that it is faithful. And Father, I believe that every story that we read about in here actually happened. Father God, that you did send your angels, that you do reign from heaven, Lord God above, but Father, that you also sent Your Spirit to be, a, be with us. And Father, may Your Spirit be with us today. Father, that You would give us understanding, help us to learn what You would have us to learn. And Father, that You would receive all the glory, the praise, and the honor, for You are worthy. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 God is faithful. So, I want to begin with talking about this Darius. Who was this Darius? Because, you know, if you would pick out many of the characters or many of the people, I'm going to call them characters, many of the people in the Bible, if you would go to your encyclopedia, whether it's that old 1955 encyclopedia that you have in the bookcase, or if you would go to the internet and look up on an encyclopedia, many of the people mentioned in Scripture, you'll find them. You'll find them in the history books to verify that they did uh, live and reign and do whatever the Bible says in a certain time period. But there, in the secular history, there's no mention of this Darius during that time period. Uh, there are three possible explanations then of who this Darius could be. It could be that Darius was simply another name for Cyrus, who was the ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire at that time. It could also be that Darius was actually Cambyses, which is the son of Cyrus. Now, think about that for a moment. The they would often let their sons go and rule certain regions. So that's possibility number two. Possibility number three is that Darius was an ancient official known as 
uh, Gaburu, who is actually shown in yeah, history, like if you look in the encyclopedias, it shows him ruling in that time period over the Babylonian Empire immediately after Babylon was captured. But Darius could also just be a title because Darius means holder of the scepter. So Darius could actually just be a title. But in whichever case it may be, we know that Darius, whether a title or another name for, another, for that person, we know that he had the ability, he had the authority over the entire region of Babylon. And I believe it because this word says it. And I believe this trumps all the other information that we can lay our hands on. Because I believe it's true. I believe it's inspired by God. Amen? Amen. So he had the ability to appoint officials, advisors, governors, whatever you want to call them, satraps, supervisors, workers. He had the ability to make laws, pass laws, and seal it with a signet ring. You know, you think back to Moses. As I was doing this, I'm thinking about Moses and thinking when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, you know, when there was over a million of them. And, you know, if you get a group of people, are you going to have some disputes and some problems? Yeah, well, sometimes with two people, you're going to have disputes and problems, right? So you have to have somebody that's going to judge and rule over cases. And Moses, as you remember, he was trying to do it all himself. It was wearing him out. Finally, his father-in-law said, Moses, you cannot continue like this. You've got to appoint judges to help you with all of this work. So a ruler cannot, one man can't rule over an entire kingdom, can he? So no. He's got to be wise enough to choose men that he can trust, men that are faithful. So Darius chose 120, then them 120 would report to the three, then those three then would report to him. So it was men, he, he did his homework. He did his homework. He knew who he could trust. And he knew about Daniel. Daniel's reputation preceded him. Daniel's left over from the previous ruler. But he was such a faithful man that he even found favor with the Median Persian people that they put in charge. So he was a trusted, proven leader. He knew that he could trust Daniel. The New King James Version calls these persons satraps. The 120 are called satraps. And then the three are called governors. In this case, I looked up the King James Version. I want to read that to you. Just a couple verses. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes. So they call, he, the King James Version calls them princes who should rule over the kingdom and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account to them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So, you know, many times when we read the Scriptures, especially when we go to the Old Testament, we're like, you know, their culture was so different than ours. It's like, how, how, you know, I don't really understand that. I don't understand that in today's thinking. Well, we understand princes, right? I mean, because they are still princes today in some countries. And we definitely understand presidents, right? So the president then would answer to 
only the king. So he would be right under the king. What an amazing position of authority for a man who was brought into that country as a captive. Does God not rule from heaven above? Yes, He does, as we just sang. So we can relate to princes and presidents in our modern times because we know that a president has a lot of authority, right? So Daniel was preferred above the other leaders, the other administrators. This did not set well with the other two presidents or governors, nor the 120 satraps or princes, whichever you would like to call them. There are many words that we could use to describe their attitude toward Daniel. For one, they called him that Daniel. They didn't look to him as an equal, did they? That Daniel, who you think to set above as an administrator, he does not follow your decrees and your laws. So they were envious, they were jealous, they were offended, they were irritated, they were angry. It's like a kick in the gut to them. Here is this man who was brought here as a servant, and now he is going to be over us? They were very unhappy about this. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there error or fault found in him. Imagine that they could find not one single fault against Daniel. You know, when you... Alright, so as I'm working on this and I'm thinking, okay, let's think of you know, somebody very important. I got to thinking about some presidential candidates in the past. So they couldn't find one thing against Daniel. Now think, think back. I mean, you know... I, in the history, how many times has there been a presidential candidate start out, they're going real strong, and then the opposition or even the news, they start digging and digging and digging and digging, don't they? They try to find something against that person. They go digging and they find some skeleton in the closet, don't they? One that I thought of was clean back in 1987. There was a Democratic presidential candidate named Gary Hart. He was the front runner, man. He was leading. He was doing very well. Till either his opposition or the news media, they dug and they found some, a skeleton in his closet. And they accused him of marital unfaithfulness. And apparently it was true. Boom. It sunk him. He was done. They even dropped out of the race. There was no skeletons in Daniel's closet. Not one charge they could find. His credentials were above reproach. What a commendable thing when one person possesses a character so impeccable as Daniel's. They could not find one thing to accuse him of. Not one bribe. Not one illegal thing. Remember, he's been in charge a long time. Every dot Every I dot, every T crossed, every figure, figure honest. No mistakes. What an amazing thing. This incident reveals two very profound 
pictures in the Bible. First is the faithfulness. The faithfulness of God to continue in prayers. Three times a day. You know, prayer was not something that Daniel practiced only when he felt the need for encouragement or felt the need for a healing or some amazing thing. Daniel considered his time of communion, his time of prayer with God, to be an integral part of his everyday life. It was essential. It was as essential to him as eating and breathing. It was his life-sustaining source. He neither ceased to pray, nor did he decrease the frequency of his prayers. He did not try to hide that he was praying. He went right up to his upper room, opened the window as his custom was, and prayed to God as he always did. He could have left the window shut. Oftentimes, we've heard people say, go to your prayer closet. He didn't hide in the prayer closet. He came out of the closet. We need to make sure we come out of the closet and let people know the God that we serve. Don't be fearful because our God can protect us. He was faithful and brave. Whatever the consequences, I'm going to continue to pray to God, Daniel says. You know, there's a New Testament example of being faithful no matter what the consequences. In Acts chapter 5, verses 26 through 30. And this is Peter and the other apostles have been demanded not to preach in the name of Jesus any longer. But that didn't stop them. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. So yes, they were guilty of His blood. And they let Him know it. They were not fearful. They said, we are going to obey God rather than man. Daniel obeyed God rather than King Darius. As he should have and as we should. Ernest Wadsworth, a champion of effective prayer, said, pray for, pray for a faith that will not shrink when washed in the waters of affliction. My friends, that's the kind of faith Daniel had. That would not wash in the waters of affliction. There is one thing that we can easily miss if we read through the book of Daniel as a casual read and just start at the chapter 1 and work our way through. And that is the amount of time that has elapsed from one event to another. You know, we can read in uh, chapter 1 where they were taken captive and they refused to eat the king's delicacies and then the next thing you know, there's the dream that the king has in his second year of the golden image and then the three children are cast into the fire and then here we are, the second, or the, then the second dream of the big tree. And we think, wow, you know, all this stuff is just happening so fast. But that's not true. It's not happening so fast. Daniel was a very young man when they were taken captive. And this time right now, 
is about, he, he is approximately 80 years old. So many years have passed. He is no longer a young man. But he was faithful through all of that time. It is not like he was faithful to go and pray just for a couple of years. It was a lifetime of faithfulness as his custom was from early years. So day in and day out, month after month, year after year, Daniel remained faithful to God, to pray to God, three times a day with that window open to Jerusalem. In life, you know, we will have seasons, we will have events that we think of as high points of our faith. We will have those mountaintop experiences, will we not? Where, you know, we've been to an amazing revival and man, it just has us on fire for a while. But is that where we always live our life? No, we live it down here, don't we? The normal, everyday things that we experience in life. Well, Daniel and his friends had that too because friends, 80 years have passed. Yes, they had some amazing experiences, but in the norm, they were faithful every day. That's where we live our lives. Verse 10 is probably one of the most important. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with the window open to Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God as was his custom since early days. Every day. There was an excellent spirit in Daniel because of his faithfulness to go to the Lord in prayer. He didn't take a vacation from his faith. My friends, there is no vacation from our faith. We need to be faithful every day, wherever we are, wherever God leads us. And I believe that that faithfulness of Daniel is what prepared him for everything that he experienced in life. That faithfulness to go to God is why he was able to interpret dreams. That faithfulness to God to pray is why he was able to kneel down and pray. I was going to say stand, but he stood for his faith and knelt down in prayer because of that custom, because of that closeness and that relationship that he had with God, that he knew that he could trust Him. In Mark chapter 9, verses 23-26, through 26, there was a father that had a child that had an unclean spirit. And the disciples could not cast it out. So they come to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Friends, if our faith is not as strong as we want it to be, say, God, help my unbelief. Help my faith to strengthen. But we need to put the effort into it also. Don't think He's just going to, boom, there it is, give it to you. We've got to seek it. Hunger for it. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Death, dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? 
So Jesus said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Jesus often went off by Himself to pray, didn't He? Strengthening even His faith to be prepared to do the ministry that He needed to do. I better get to finish up the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6, verse 14 through 24. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. So when the other satraps and governors told the king, that Daniel that you have put over us, he does not follow your law, the king was greatly displeased with himself. Why? Because he didn't take time to think about it. When they came to him and said, O king, sign this decree that no one can petition any other god but you for 30 days, his ego welled up inside of him and said, that's a good idea. If he would have taken time to think about it, well, let me sleep on this tonight. We'll make the decision in the morning. He may have remembered his faithful servant Daniel and not have signed that decree. So he's upset with himself, as we probably have been at times when we've made hasty decisions, thinking, oh, I wish I would have thought about that for a while, right? Okay, so he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke to Daniel, saying, Your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the signet of, the, of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no music was brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out, with a, lament, with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent His angel and shut the lions' mouths. Hallelujah. Glory. So that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before Him. And also, King, I have done no wrong before you. An innocent man. Glory. Now the king was exceedingly, exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him, because he believed in his God. Then the king gave command that they bring those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Glory to God in the highest. Our God reigns, does He not? Our God is all-powerful, almighty. Friends, the lion, you know, this is an awesome lion's den that these kids have made. A lion's den was a large pit, and it was divided by a movable wall. So the wall could be pulled up, 
and they would throw some food in there, and the lions would go to the side, they'd put the food in, they'd lower it down so they could go in, and the keeper of the lion's pit could clean out the other side. But here's something important. They would not overfeed those lions, if you will. They would give them enough food that they would remain strong, but they only gave them enough food that they would remain hungry, very hungry, all the time. Because if they had someone that broke the law, and they had to have an execution, they wanted those lions prepared all the time. So they could remove that stone, cast them in, and all other times, those persons or victims would be destroyed immediately almost. If not immediately, almost immediately. But Daniel was lowered into the pit, placed a stone over it, sealed with the king's signet ring. Nobody could take that stone away because it was sealed. No one would dare take that stone away because the king had sealed it. You may remember another story where a stone was placed over a grave and sealed with a seal, wasn't it? Matthew 27. And on the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He has arisen from the dead, so that the last deception will be worse than the first. Then Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting a guard. My friends, another amazing miracle, right? That sealed stone over that tomb. But God raised Him from the dead, didn't He not? That we can have life and have it abundantly. God delivered Jesus from the tomb. He delivered Daniel from those hungry lions. It's kind of the same thing. God was His salvation. Saved Him from those lions. While the king's in there tossing and turning and sleep left him, no music. Daniel's in there with those lions. I told the kids, he's probably leaning back on that lion enjoying, it, enjoying having a good night's sleep. Because there's an angel there with him. He's comforted. He's not worried. His God is with him. God protected him. My friends... God does protect with angels. He did then, and I believe He still does today. Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Today, I found a modern example. A pastor named John Boston. He was driving down the road when another car crossed the center line and came barreling towards him. The pastor swerved to miss the vehicle and struck a utility pole, sending a live transformer crashing onto his car. Immediately, the metal and glass began to buckle on the intense heat from the thousands of volts of electricity. His four-year-old daughter, who was with him, was trapped inside the burning car. The seatbelt was stuck and the door wouldn't open. That's when a scruffy-looking stranger came out of nowhere and easily opened opened the smashed door. The man removed him from the car, him and his daughter, 
and walked them 20 feet away from the vehicle to safety before the car exploded in the flames. He said, my name is Johnny, and the police are almost here, and I can't be here when they get here, but you're going to be okay, said Pastor Boston. And then next thing you know, the man was gone. He said that people who tried to rationalize the situation thought that the circuit breaker simply tripped and Johnny fled because he was, had a sketchy past. But however, the firefighters say that there are some aspects of what happened that defy logic, reason, and science. But Pastor Boston is convinced that an angel saved them that day. And you know, we may have all experienced a time. Have you ever, this is where we open it up, have you ever had an experience where you feel that an angel was with you? You want to share? Uh, 2007, I fell 30 feet when the scaffolding collapsed. Right before I fell, I felt hands on my shoulders hmm. turn me this direction. And then I went that way. And I ripped my ear off, traumatic brain injury, broke three ribs, separated my left shoulder. If I would have stayed still, straight, I wouldn't be here. I'd be dead. He would have died. Injured, but alive. And went home the next day. And went home the next day. Amen. Anyone else? Ever had an experience? You think an angel intervened? John. God intervene. Now you share that. I've been going to a, a, a different barber because my old barber closes real early and, or the, another barber's off closed because he's having health issues. So this new barber I've been going to is a believer and he shared a story. Him and his dad was traveling and he had was having a heart attack and they were somewhere up towards, I don't know, Jersey, New York, whatever. He pulls off an exit. He told his dad, you need, need to get off the road. He pulls off an exit and right there was a hospital. They get him to that hospital, and they got him right in there and did the, the uh, I don't know if it was a bypass or stent. I think it was stents. And he says, what's the chances that it, the timing was perfect, that he was right there by a hospital was able to help him? Because if, they wouldn't, if he'd had hours, he wouldn't be here. 
They was able to get him in there, do what they needed to do, like immediately. He would have died. My own personal, you know, I know that there's probably many times where there's been a delay that keeps us from an accident or, you know, I think if God opened that thing and let us have a vision of all the times He protected us, we'd be amazed. Whether it be an angel or just His intervention. Angels are His intervention. But I remember a time as a child, and I know that I've shared this before, but it has stuck with me all of my life. My sister and I, and Mom, I think I've told, you know, I think you know this. We were in the backyard on the swing set swinging. And the swing set was not planted in the ground. It just, you know, it was one of the A-frame jobs setting on top of the ground. And I'm only five, yes, I'm only five years old. And my sister's six, and we're swinging on that thing. I was five or six. We're swinging on that thing, and we had the legs bouncing up off the ground. I mean, we're having a great time, man. We're going as high as we can go. And both, you know, you go forward, the back legs comes up. You go back, the front legs come up. And boy, this is fun. And, but we knew of God because, you know, we, we was raised in the church. But we had that thing a-rocking, if you will, is what I'm going to say. And a voice said, Stop! And man, poof! My sister and I both, we just come off of that thing in midair. And we look up to the house, mom's not there. We look to the neighbor, there's no neighbor there. We look to the other neighbor, I mean, this is a rural area, nobody there. There was no neighbor, no mom, no dad said that. Stop. We looked all around and we knew who it was. And you know, I didn't talk to my sister about that or bring it up for many, many, many years. We were adults, grown adults, had our own kids. And I said, you remember that time we was on the swing set? Oh yes. She goes, how could I forget that? When the voice of God tells you to stop. Or the voice of an angel says stop. So God had a purpose. That's why I'm here today. Who knows what would have happened? But God does send His angels to watch over us. But friends, I truly believe that the most important lesson that we could take from this is prayer, is faithfulness to God. No matter what may come of it, that we are faithful to God in all circumstances. I asked the kids, I said, if they pass a law today to make it against the law to pray to God, are you going to pray? Or are you going to go before the firing squad if we catch you praying to God, the God of heaven, are you going to pray? They said, yes. And I hope they will. And I hope that we will. That we will continue to serve our God and be faithful to our God no matter what because God can send His angels to protect you if He has to. But if He doesn't, Hallelujah, we'll just go be with Him. Amen? Trust Him no matter what. Because our God reigns from heaven above and can send His angels and His Spirit and His power to be with us today. Amen?